0: Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane.
1: All right, welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona, and this has been a classic week in northern Arizona. This is how it goes. So it was so nice two weeks ago, and this week gets, I think it was 13 degrees at my house, so it's was registering some really cold weather. The pond actually started to freeze around the edges, and so that is normal through February, really, I mean through March. Well, March, it's not cold, but you can get some snow. But then it warms right back up. So the nighttime temperatures are not as cold. But through through the next couple of weeks, it can get quite chilly. And that's good. We need that to happen. I was actually worried that it would warm up too quickly. And so if you'd have if it gets warm, if we don't have a real serious cold winter, what happens is the aphids come out too early and they start to devour. Your landscape, well, the cold holds them back, actually thins them out. Thrip, the same way. Javelina, deer, same way. We we need some serious cold to help us to reset and start over again. We're so mild at so many of the elevations here in the in the mountains of Arizona that frequently plant the, the weeds, the, the bugs, the, the animal. They don't stop. They just keep going. They keep building. They keep eating. They keep... I noticed the... the uh, pocket gophers they're already up now usually pocket gophers they're leaving mounds out in the gardens and so normally they hibernate about four, five six feet underground where it's warm and then when it warms up they'll come up and they'll start eating the roots off your trees and shrubs I just had a customer come in this week peach tree this is well established it had to be six inches across there was not one root left on this thing it was a trunk, that they just eaten every, it fell over and then, of course, it's dead. So there's nothing going on. That's how, that's what gophers can do to you. You do not want to leave them alone in your yard. They will kill, they'll destroy everything in your landscape. They will eat the roots right off. Well, if we get a real cold winter, it holds them back. They get a slower start. Uh, they don't have as many litters. You won't have as many coming at you through the week, through the uh, year, growing season. And so we need, some, we need one more really good deep cold. I'd love to see single digits. And then I want it to warm up and just become beautiful after that. Just b- b- nicer and nicer and nicer. Now, if you had uh, some plantings in your landscape before that cold, you know, this, is, this is why it's so good to plant deciduous things. That is, things that lose their leaves in the fall. They're kind of hibernating. They're sleeping right now. You can see the buds forming. You can see where the flower buds and the leaf buds are? Uh, you you put those in the ground and it gets really cold like that, they don't even feel it. I mean, they're hibernating. Their their roots are protected, they're in the ground, and as long as they're moist, they're 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 hydrated. They don't even bother to worry about them. They're they're fine outdoors. They're used to to being outdoors fruit trees. Most fruit trees will go down to -20, 30, 50 degrees. I mean, it has to get some serious, crazy, I mean, like Wisconsin cold to have them affected. And that's just not going to happen here. And so you're fine. What I did right before that cold hit, I just take a hand, I hand water things. I go out and I give all my containers, mainly a good deep soak. And that way when the cold, when that storm comes in at us, now they're hydrated, and I don't worry about them at that point. Your evergreens, it's really important to do that for your evergreens. So you get uh, red tip photinias and eleagnus and euonymus and uh, privets. Uh, even junipers can be affected sometimes. You you want to make sure before that cold snap comes. We went from 60, 65 degrees to 13. That's, that's pretty harsh. The plants can handle that as long as they're hydrated. If they were dry and they they took that kind of hit, they went from 65 to 13, then you can get what we call winter burn or winter kill. The tops or the tips or the outer branches of that plant can be affected, killed. Uh, I guess it could happen to the entire plant if it's dry enough and cold enough. That doesn't happen very often, but I've seen it happen more than once. So this this is okay to have this kind of cold. I think it's okay to plant. We still had our crews going out this week, they're installing of uh, privacy screens. Big spruce and pine. It seems like uh, Vanderwolf pine is the thing this week. So it's this beautiful uh, blue and green, or, or or it's actually a pine tree. It's got a needle on the top of the ne- on the top of the needle is blue. The bottom is green. So it has this two tone color and super super soft. I mean, you just want to hug this thing. And it's a beautiful evergreen plant. and It's being used for privacy stuff. We've got some that are I don't know six five, six, seven feet tall. So, But they're heavy. When they're that big, they're just heavy. And so that's one that you have us plant for you instead of trying to do it yourself. Unless you've got some young bucks out there, or neighbors will look, rally and help you get it out of the truck and get it there. Um, anything that is 15 gallon and above at my house, I have my planting crews come and plant it for me. It's just, I've had a couple back surgeries. I do not Want to hurt myself. I don't feel like jumping on a shovel that long. I don't want to run a jackhammer. I don't like digging bars. I feel worn out afterwards. I'm willing to pay the hundred bucks or whatever to have them do it all for me. If it's smaller than that, you know, five, seven, 10 gallon sizes, these are very manageable. Those I do myself. And so I'm very strategic. I kind of do a hybrid approach. I have them plant some and not others. And that works really well for me. Course, I own the garden center. I would say that, but I think that's a good strategy for a lot of folks that maybe have had some back issues. They're a little stiff. They just had knee surgery or elbow surgery. It, it's okay to hire that stuff out. And, and if we're doing it, you've got an actual professional. I mean, someone that really knows soils and plants and drainage and how to get it, how to stake the thing, just to beat those two inch lodge poles into the ground for a big fruit tree it's it's okay to, to to hire the big guns to come in and do that. A little shrub, yeah, you can take a hand trowel and dig a hole eventually for that size of plant. So that's my take on it. Another thing too, I've, I've noticed um, in my own gardens, uh, I'm finding that the houseplants, they're starting to, I, I'm starting to fertilize my houseplants. I think it's the, the daylights are, the day parts are getting longer, The the, the plants are responding. And so I want them to wake up and really grow and be green and looking good. And so I've taken my houseplants and I've next watering, I just add some fertilizer and give them a good deep soak with that nutrient-rich water. And so I like water solubles in my houseplants. And, and, and here's why. Here's what I'm actually doing. I, I made a, a fertilizer. It's called Flower Power. It's 54% phosphorus, 52 actually. Uh, so it's Flower Power. It's made for hanging baskets, outdoor use, uh, container gardens, tomatoes, things that bloom and fruit. It's made for that, but it is a magical fertilizer, oh my goodness, for houseplants. They respond so well to that, and I think it's the minor trace elements. I don't think houseplants get enough iron and boron and copper and, and uh, magnesium, these minor trace elements. We give them all this... We give them great uh, nitrogen phosphorus potash, the traditional. So you get your traditional Schultz, whatever, for African violets or orchids. Uh, but this this fertilizer, that flower power, really does a number. I mean, it just really gets them to green up and start growing. And they're just happy and healthy. They'll have more foliage coming up and down that pothos stem. or It's a really good one. flower. And it's got a scoop in it, one scoop per gallon. And there you go. It's that easy. I'll do that about... Oh, once a month, something like that. They really respond well. Uh, out and outside, when I'm doing hanging baskets, you know, if I plant some pansies, that kind of stuff, there I'll actually do it every other week, about twice a month, a little more frequently. But house plants, they don't grow as quick. They're they're conditioned to be in a shadier indoor, more temperate climate. I find they don't need as much fertilizer. So, but but that flower power, and I th- it really works. And I think it's time to start. Thinking about giving your your indoor plants some nutrients. I'm not so sure about seedlings. Seedlings, I'd probably hold off on it. Usually, those if you're starting tomatoes or peppers or marigolds or whatever indoors in your seedling trays, those things they usually have enough nutrients in the seed itself that they don't need a lot of nutrients. Uh, if you do, or if you are growing your own seedlings indoors, I've got a better, more organic uh, just nutrient kind of kind of fertilizer for those is called root and grow. I made it for transplant shock, but it's basically it's it's a it's a composted tea. It's a real thick, organic-y, herbally looking tea that that seedlings respond to really well. Anyway, that's my take. That's what's going on in my gardens. We have a lot in store for you this show. Waters uh, Waterslane coming in with your garden questions after this.
0: You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott.
1: It's almost spring. Time to grow a pear.
0: A pear tree, that is.
1: Late winter is ideal for planting fruit trees. At Waters Garden Center, has cherry-picked the hardiest, heaviest-producing trees from our most trusted growers.
0: From apples to apricots and persimmons to pears, the Garden Center is plumb full of varieties that thrive in our mountain soil. And we'll even plant them for you. We believe life is a bowl of cherries, so grow the best ones ever from Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters
1: Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food.
0: This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them
1: thrive and grow more fruits than ever. And just $27 for a 20-pound bag.
0: safe, natural, organic fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener.
1: And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are your neighbors talking about? We can learn from each other, I think. And that's what this segment is meant to to be. So welcome in the studio, Lisa.
0: Thank you.
1: So did you miss me?
0: Of course I did. How much? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) The house was very quiet without you.
1: I had to take the team. I took a team of our, our management team mm-hmm. to New Orleans. So it's training. So we're big into training. We want our folks to be the best. Mm-hmm. And so the best and brightest garden centers in the country, actually in Canada as well, ah. went to New Orleans. Yeah, we hung out. We brought in brought in our consultants. We mm-hmm. shared knowledge, networked, and and you come back with some great ideas and so and you get to hang out so if you come up with you've got connections now later where you can now connect with other people about hey how'd you do that you had this labor issue or you have trucking you know your planting crew what did you do with that or or, what what supply chain you have how do you bring that in what are your sure it's all the intricacies of a retail garden center Mm -hmm. and some of these guys we were the smallest players in the room, and there' are some of these guys who are fifty million dollar garden centers wow. We're a fraction of that yeah uh, they are big and they wow they're, they're crazy smart
0: from all over the country they
1: felt small. <laughs>
0: you're just a big fish in a little pond i'm really
1: famous in my little (laughs) tiny market oh yeah that's it so so. did
0: you have what are they called beignets
1: yeah oh yeah we took went went downtown took the whole team went to the spot across from jackson andrew jackson square or Mm. church or whatever jazz on the streets my my staff rarely gets to see me dance actually never (laughs) <laughs> but if the jazz is good enough, you just got to go at it. It's sure. just right there on the street corners. I mean, cars are going through the crowds. It's uniquely yeah. New Orleans. It's and awesome. I saw
0: the pictures of the Magnolias. Yeah,
1: they're in bloom. Those were gorgeous. I mean, my goodness. They were starting, and then they had a hailstorm, that, that oh. ferocious storm that went yeah. through the country, well, it hit New Orleans too Aww. and shredded some of them. Now, there's, yeah. there's so many flowers in this. This is a deciduous magnolia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they grow in the north country of Arizona as well. Mm-hmm. So oh, sure. we, I think we've got some here at the nursery. So they aren't in bloom yet, but right. we've got several, two, three colors. And then uh, they were blooming and, and fragrant, as you could think of. Yeah, They're related to the southern magnolia, the mm-hmm. evergreen one with the white right. flower. This one's deciduous, which makes them actually hardier yeah they're tougher than than the than the evergreen variety uh they'll go down to i think minus 20 degrees Mm. and so they do they do really well at all elevations here but they had started to bloom at least a month early three three weeks uh, four weeks earlier
0: they're warmer well they're
1: warmer yeah definitely although it was pretty chilly there so (laughs) Yeah, but it was right on the you know Mississippi yeah. River. Cruise right. ships are going up the river. Barges, cool. Uh, upgraded their hotel rooms. So they could overlook the Mississippi. Oh, nice. a higher floor. So you know, your your folks, you just got to treat them right, and and uh, that's part of the reason. Uh, employees here at waters garden center we were known as a place where our employees put their roots down i guess we treat them well we yes, treat them sure. with respect and, and uh, this is one of those things i tell them now I've, I've actually lost some of my employees where they went and they are now consulting for other companies mm-hmm. so they're now consultants and i said i want you to be so smart you can go consult on your own if you so choose or just stay here with us and We'll have fun we, together. We
0: prefer they stay with well,
1: us. Well, <laughs> absolutely. but Anyway, we got garden questions. We, we do on have on garden about our staff. questions.
0: Enough about you <laughs> right, and okay. your Louisiana People. trip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> our first question is from Karen. She wants to put a redbud tree in her front yard. But she says, I didn't realize there were so many different yeah. kinds. <laughs> is there one that performs well in the Prescott Valley area? Uh, so, so they're all going to do well.
1: What it really comes down to when you're talking about red buds, there's Western red bud and Eastern red It comes down to that two distinct choices. Yeah. Western red bud is the one that grows wild, it grows in the mountains here in the wet Mountain West. And so you'll see this bush, usually multi stem, growing to about 10 feet tall. And it's, it's covered in pink flowers in spring and it has a beautiful heart shaped leaf. That's the hardiest of them all. It's not the most desirable because it's usually a shrub form rather than a tree form. And so I think we were up at Rainbow Bridge, Lake Powell. Oh,
0: yeah, we There's saw that. There's one at
1: the base of Rainbow Bridge. just growing there wild in the desert, just kind of there.
0: Kind of a little protected area,
1: but yeah. It's there. And so uh, the preferred one is the eastern redbud, which grows like a tree. It's almost as hardy. I would say it adapts really, really well here. Uh, it is taller. It's got a trunk, grows up to about mid-teens, so it grows about 30% taller. The other one's about 10, this one's about 15 feet tall. Same heart-shaped leaf, even a little larger. And here you get a couple flower choices. So the traditional eastern redbud, it actually has a light pink flower, very pretty. It's robust, and it's one that everyone recognizes. Well, that's pink is good, but if you could have chartreuse, if it could go (laughs) in the dark, if it could have different flower color, deeper, richer pinks, well, now you get into Avondales, Oklahomas. Mm -hmm. If it's a named variety of eastern redbud, it's probably the same exact tree with a brighter flower. That's it. Mm -hmm. There is one that's called... um, um, What's that? Uh, burgundy, oh,
0: uh, forest pansy, forest and burgundy pansies. Hearts, There's
1: some yeah. with a red leaf to it as well. So instead of a green leaf traditional, they're coming out with varieties of red leaves. So it's a traditional eastern redbud, it's a tree, it's a big leaf, but it came to have green leaves or purple leaves. And that can have pink flowers or really pink flowers. And those really, it comes down to that. And that's one. Come visit us. We'll yeah. show you the right one. If you get a big tree, we can plant it for you. We can get The little tiny Western ones are usually in a five-gallon mm-hmm. shrub form. You can probably plant that yourself. We can, we can hone you right in. It can be confusing.
0: It definitely can. But, yeah. Okay, Red Buds. Next question is from Jerry. He wants to put out his pre-emergent. This is question, you know, did he miss the window of opportunity to get some of those early weeds or is there still time to get it down and have it be effective? Uh,
1: that's, that's actually a really good question. So we have two weed and grass preventers here at the garden. At Waters Gardens here, we have two. We've kind of selected or curated two varieties that work, have a broader influence on our weeds. We've got so many weeds here. It's ridiculous. Some take out some weeds. And not others. Well, we've got two that seem to be for our mountain mix. Takes out the weeds. So, weed and grass stopper by for, by high yield is the best seller, mainly because it's like twenty five bucks. It's the, it's the cheapest. It's not the best though. It is it is the cheapest, but it's not the best. Uh, there's one called weed and Gra- um, weed beater ultra, mm-hmm. which is the same stuff. Only it's it goes a little bit farther and it's twice as strong. So the ingredients, the actual what's in the bag is twice as long with the Weed Beater Ultra as the Weed and Grass Topper. This is one you need to be here, we could show you. But it's $5 more. So it's, set of, it's $30 instead of $25. It goes 5,200 square feet. I don't know. If you've got weeds already showing up, my advice, go with the Weed Beater Ultra. You'll get a better knockdown and, and a better prevention of weeds that come at you later. Once the weeds are up large enough, Let's say it's a full-on dandelion. You're, you just have to pull that thing. They're, those yeah. we, the weed stoppers are supposed to get rid of some seedlings. It doesn't actually take care of full-on fields of weeds. What am I going to do? How do you get ahead of it? And then it's good to, to it's good to mix them up. So you'll get actually there's a benefit to switching products hmm. each season. So you'll get a, even a broader range of, of influence on weeds, the seed that come back at you, and it actually builds over time. So they become better as you use them more frequently. So we've been using weed and grass stoppers in our yard because I really hate weeding for 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. I could probably miss an entire feeding and it would still be effective just because we've been using it long enough. Yeah, I'll start to see some weeds at the end of the season, but it's best to work, do it twice a year, once, once now and again, right before the monsoons hit. Mm-hmm. So the monsoons hit typically in the mountains of Arizona, July 4th. And so you put it on right before the rains, and that's when all your whorehound, that goat head, the one that creeps across the ground, and you step on it, the dogs <laughs> kind of limp limp forward. Uh, that's when tumbleweeds come up, is, is right before the monsoons. Put it down then, and you won't have those. So that's come in. It's really complicated. We are deep into the weeds arr, <laughs> arr, arr, arr. <laughs> on weed and grass stoppers. That. But it's technical, but we can help you out. Uh, Ken and Lisa Lane of the Mountain Gardeners will be right back.
0: You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to Mountain Gardens. Hi, Ken, with the plant of the week and our cherry jolt, Dianthus. Jumpstart the color in the garden with a generous helping of this jolting Dianthus.
1: The cherry fragrant flowers come atop rich green foliage.
0: A sun worshiper through and through, growing 12 inches, and knows how to draw the butterflies to their nectar-laden flowers.
1: Uniquely Waters and just $11.
0: Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, where people who love flowers that jolt, they love to shop. Hi, Lisa with the Plants of the Week and our Goshiki Holly. Goshiki
1: translates from Japanese as holly with five colors. Its new leaves emerge red, then turn
0: green. The entire top of this holly is draped in colors of cream, white, gray, yellow, and green.
1: This evergreen makes the perfect accent, hedge, or evergreen container for its all-round good looks.
0: A really nice plant that shines through winter is just $39.
1: Waters Garden Center, where people who love Japanese gardens, they love to shop.
0: You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane.
1: If you have fruit trees in your landscape, it is becoming critical that you finish up the pruning on those fruit trees, that you spray them with the horticultural oil, and that you fertilize them. I mean, you're coming down. By the end of this month, we already got three weeks left, and February is a short, short month. You kind of need to feel the urgency now to finish up that pruning, especially fruit trees. We're looking to open up the inside of that fruit tree so that air and light can get through that. That way, we have less disease, less spotting, heavier, larger fruits. If you've got a whole bunch of crossing branches going towards the inside of that canopy, you want to open that up. Also, if it was a semi-dwarf or dwarfed tree and it's getting just a little too large, like you don't want to reach that far to pick a fruit, it's time to to top that, not top it. That's what your grandparents did, but to bring the canopy down to a manageable height. So, So just take off 20 30% 30% off of it. Don't let those big suckers from last fall stay up there. Bring it back so it's, so you can get in there and, and pick that fruit. It looks like the fruits have very large buds on them. So it's going to be a good flowering year this year. Uh, so now is the time to, to, to check that. Now, if you're going to prune things back, you're going to take some of those flower and leaf buds off. That's good because there'll be so many blooms, so many fruits that the root structure underneath that can't keep up with all that, all those setting fruits. And so we need to thin some of that back for to balance out the root structure, really. You're spraying that. Spraying, you kind of finish everything up pruning-wise so it reduces the foliage mass or the branch mass. Then you want to take a hose-in sprayer and you hose down the entire tree, I mean, from a couple angles, especially the, the base of the tree, the crotches, the main trunks. If it's a really large, say, apple or, or pear tree, it's got this cragged, uh, uh, barky kind of, of trunk to it. You really want to c- get that oil down in there to any bugs that are harboring, wintering over down in there, any eggs that were laid down in there, that to horticultural spray oil will coat that and it eliminates that egg or that insect from coming back at you next spring. You want to start the year clean. And so you should have all this done by the end of February. It's kind of some urgency is here. We got some time, but you don't want to wait, go on that cruise for three weeks, come back, and then we still haven't got it done. Yeah, You probably need to get it done before you leave. When you're all done, you fertilize it with fruit and berry food. So I've got a special fertilizer that I made for edible things. It's 100% organic. It's pelletized. So organics are really hard to use, uh, but I I made a a recipe that really works for our local trees, and then I condensed it where it's pelletized, so it goes through the spreader really easily. So it's a 6-4-4 balanced mix, nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, but then I put 7% calcium. Uh, or gypsum in there. The, the calcium is what brings out the color and the flavor of those fruits. If you want a larger watermelon, bigger apples, nicer peaches, you give them the, 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 the Waters Garden Centers fruit and vegetable food. That's the name of it. comes in a 20-pound sack. Probably one bag will do most of the yards out there. Uh, it really does make a difference to the way the fruit the size of the fruit, and the flavor of the fruit. That's what it's designed to do. Way better. I mean, stay away from your chemical fertilizers for edible things. I mean, it just, in my head, we should be using more organics all the time, but especially things that you eat. You want to use organic fertilizers on that, not some nitrogen-rich urea thing that that just nukes your soil, kills the worms. Uh, This, the food that I made, it actually feeds the worms, mycorrhizal fungi, encourages roots, allows bigger fruits. It's working with the environment, not against it. It's not just juicing up that tree, and get the fruits going. It's actually helping it do better. So one application usually does does you for the spring season really. So that's kind of the tips I'd give you right now, what to really focus in on. I would say you could move that right into while you get the pruners out, you know, shade trees. They could be shaped some. Uh, your hedgerows, it's a little bit early. I'd wait on those hedges until March. So, we want to let the, the winter do its thing. If you pruned back your hedges, let's say Futinia hedge or Juniper hedge or Privet, a boxwood running up to the front door, it, it's fine. It won't harm that tree, that shrub, that hedgerow. But what will happen is you'll see all the cuts on it. So, usually you're shaping those back pretty hard. I like to wait until March. So they're going to start growing by the end of March. Uh, So I'll wait to prune them back until they're just about to to ignite with new growth. That way, for me, I don't have to look at those pruning cuts for the next six, seven, eight weeks. So it's purely an aesthetic thing just for my delight, the way I'm looking at it. Uh, Those will be the last things that I'll prune by the end of March, by the middle of March. You definitely want to get done with your fruit trees though. That is something you want to hurry up and get done. So it's prune your fruit trees, things that are edible, uh, whether it's a berry, grape, bramble, whatever, and then spray it with the horticultural oil and fertilize it with the fruit and vegetable food. That's how you take care of your yard if you've got edibles.
0: The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations, guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season.
1: Hi, Ken here with the Plants of the Week and our McMinn Manzanita.
0: Part of Waters' expanding native selection, this is the big, bold manzanita you find growing throughout Arizona.
1: A local evergreen growing wild with the classic red bark for a style and drought-hardy landscape.
0: Locally grown for local landscapes, this easy care shrub is just $39.
1: Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love lots of native plants, they love to shop. Once upon a time, Fred the Sage and Bob the Yucca watched a herd of deer eat their neighbor's garden. Hey Bob, said Fred. It's a good thing we're native Arizona plants from Waters Garden Center. Right, Fred, said Bob. We can handle tough prescott dirt, hot sun, low water, and we look great in the garden. You betcha, Bob, said Fred. Hummingbirds and bees love us, but that deer sure doesn't. Be like Fred and Bob. Go native at Waters Garden Center. Safe, natural, and organic.
0: You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener.
1: And we've got Lisa Waters Lane back in the studio. So she comes each week and just shares her garden thoughts, what's going on in her gardens. And so I came back from New Orleans. hmm and I noticed the javelina came back at us again. Ugh, the did. dirt was in the front of the door, hitting yes. in the pots. So, sorry, I thought I had that fixed. So I um. better go test to make sure the <laughs> transformer is going.
0: Well, I did notice um, there's quite a few branches, and we had some pretty strong winds. While you were gone, oh. so there's some branches laying down. It, oh. it may be
1: shorted the wire out. Yeah. So we've got a we have an electric fence, folks. Just listeners. Um, that that's one foot off the ground. It doesn't it goes through our front yard, doesn't surround it or anything. You can come down the driveway. I, I'm worried about tripping up neighbors and <laughs> friends, family come to visit. But we, we have a wire going through and it, it's on a timer. It only comes on at ten o'clock at night, it goes off by five whenever you and the dogs wake up. About five. So it's just mm-hmm. in the in the evening when mostly the javelinas come out. And so and then it's off during the day. Uh, so those those work really well, but it's one foot off the ground. So when you get a branch that comes through and lights on top of that wire, it can short it out against the ground. Then all of a sudden, it doesn't work as well. So I'll, I'll get that fixed for you. I've got a little tool that actually I could plug it in, turn it on. You touch it and it goes. Yep, it's on. Or you nope, could just touch off. it
0: yourself. <laughs> or I
1: could t- I could I could put it with a schnauzer's <laughs> no! nose, Labrador's nose, see you if they yelp dare. and. Uh, it's only 12 volts. It's not oh, like I they're going to get hurt. I've
0: gotten zapped by it before when the timer was messed up. It, I, it, it wakes you up.
1: Well, yeah. As, as kids growing up on the farm, the cousins and I, we'd get over towards the fence to see who was brave enough. Or you just grab your friend... Grab the wire, and as long as you've got someone grounding, it goes right through you and shocks them. So there's different tricks you can play. Boys, be boys.
0: <laughs> Girls At least we stupid. were never
1: given tasers and you know stun guns. <laughs> we were only given BB guns, 22s, and electric fences roaming around the countryside. <laughs> Brother,
0: but yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna wait to put my pansies back in until I know that thing is oh, uh, working. This
1: weekend, it will be done. Okay, bring I them believe. home. Bring them. <laughs>
0: Well, that leads me to our topic, because we've had a lot of people in having problems with the deer and the rabbits, because they're hungry, and they're looking for stuff to eat. And it seems to be pretty consistently this time of year, I find there's a lot of pressure on the animals, the wild animals. So they're kind of foraging and, and eating what they can. And so sometimes some of the yards are taking a hit, especially with certain plants that they just love, no matter what. So I thought we would talk about plants that they don't
1: love. So deer, rabbits, mm-hmm. jackrabbits, and
0: antelope. Do you antelope? see jack rabbits around oh, here yeah. anymore? I mean,
1: out towards Skull Valley, you see jack rabbits out. You? To,
0: yeah, out Williams okay. in Valley, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. they're
1: beautiful, tall, tall things. I know. When I Remember was a
0: kid growing up, they were everywhere, but maybe I feel like I think you were don't where the
1: jackrabbits were more <laughs> than the bunny rabbits. Maybe. Remember I as don't. a kid they had jackalopes? A jackalope, what is that? Someone took a antlers from an antelope, put it put on it a jack, grab it. <laughs> is That's it real? Really? No.
0: We, we no, had a, it's- We had our daughter-in-law believe me. <laughs> <laughs> She's a very sweet girl, but very trusting. She's like, oh, I didn't know there was such a thing. As and she's jack-in-law. so smart. She's
1: a nurse <laughs> practitioner. She's crazy smart, but she she, she does... Wants to believe.
0: Yeah, she does. Very (laughs) sweet girl. Not (laughs) picking on her. Love her to death. Yes. So we have plants that the jackalopes will stay out of as well. There we go. (laughs) So some of those plants that we have on hand that are great is, one is, of course, the boxwoods. Boxwoods, the bunnies and the deer tend to leave those alone. And I think they're also a really good uh, foundation for your yard because a nice evergreen performs well Um, And you need some of those in your yard that are just, they're not fancy, they're not showy, but they're consistent performers.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're bulletproof. they got a thick, waxy leaf. Mm -hmm. They take our dryness, our wind, and put them in in, in containers and raised beds right Mm -hmm. down the driveway at the front door, foundational. They're great. You don't want to commit the whole yard to boxwood, but it's good to spot some in there Mm -hmm. just so you got an anchor in there going, it doesn't matter what time of year, this is what you're going to get.
0: Mm-hmm. Great plant for here. The other one is the Gulf Stream Nandina. That's another one. I think that's a really pretty shrub. Kind of has that multicolor green. New growth comes out red. Um, Another really good, tough plant for here. And the animals just do not touch that one at all. Looks delicious. Mm -hmm. But they don't... I mean, it looks gorgeous. It gets a spring flower. gets red
1: berries. gets everything you want Mm -hmm. in an evergreen. But no animals. You, you'd think yeah. they'd go after that. But it's got this milky sap stuff to it, so it's probably that's it. Something something about it.
0: They don't like it. They plant them. Yeah. But it's another one that performs really well in containers. Yeah. So
1: That's one your Californians, they called it... Um, what do they call that? Bamboo. Heavenly bamboo. Heavenly bamboo. There you go. It's But they've got new varieties, a Gulf Stream, Harbor Dwarf. Sienna Sunrise. Sienna Sunrise. These are all dwarfed varieties and easier to maintain. There's zero, yeah. I mean, zero pruning needed for
0: these. Mm-hmm. They just go on their own. They do. Really nice. Ballerina Hawthorne is another one that, I think it's just absolutely gorgeous. Kind of has that nice evergreen leaf to it. Gets a almost a burgundy color in the wintertime. Produces a flower in the spring, pink, pink flower. Very very fragrant, very fragrant. pink
1: flower, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And the ballerina gets about two by three, somewhere in there. I always tell um, people
1: knee high or so, something like yeah, that. Probably. Yeah, probably.
0: It has a, a cousin, the southern moon, Hawthorne. Which gets bigger? I think it gets like five to six feet tall. and yeah. has a white flower on it, but they're again really pretty shrubs for here. Ellie Agnes or Silver has a horrible name. Ellie Agnes. Ellie <laughs> Agnes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> don't
1: get me going.
0: Silverberry. It's a better name yeah, for silver it. Silverberry. So it's a variegated um, kind of a yellow green. We have these in our front yard. Just a, a very drought hardy. Take the heat and the sun. The critters don't bother it. We've never had a problem with those.
1: Evergreen up to about chest high or so, head mm-hmm. high, somewhere in there. It depends on how mature they are. Thick. So six by six by six at maturity. Yeah. Uh and, and evergreen or ever gold. It's got this goldy look right. to it. But it's a native, truly. When I mean, you get up to size and then I cut it off of it get, it gets no more water. We've got mm-hmm. some I don't think we've watered them in ten years and they look fabulous. Mm-hmm. It's a true native for the yeah. mountains of Arizona. Perfume Silverberry. Too.
0: Mediterranean heath. Now, a lot of people probably aren't too familiar with that one, but it's an early, early spring bloomer. Has a really, it just gets full of little pink flowers all over it. Um, The foliage is kind of almost like a fern type foliage, very fine, uh, and it blooms for forever. It just all spring, yeah. yeah, Keeps going and going and going. So that is a a really nice one that most people maybe aren't too familiar with. That.
1: I Is notice it in, 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 it'll bloom even longer if you give it a little bit of protection from that midday sun. If you mm-hmm. put it in the east exposure or direct yeah. west, mm-hmm. it'll take full sun and grow just fine. But it blooms longer if you got it let's see, north side of a tree and it gets morning sun, afternoon sun. That mm-hmm. midday gets a little break. It'll just bloom for months. It's right. ridiculous. Great perennial, evergreen oh, yeah. perennial for the mountains. Mm-hmm. And animals don't eat it. That's great. We've proved it out in Skull Valley. Oh, yeah. Elk, deer, whatever. They didn't bother it.
0: No, they didn't. Compact Oregon Grape Holly. Um, I like the compact one because I, I don't know. I think it looks better in the landscapes. doesn't get as leggy. There is a regular Oregon Grape Holly. It gets, what, five, six feet tall. Yeah. I like the compact one a little better.
1: Seems like you're rather
0: biased. I probably am. But I think it's prettier. Nice thing about that one, most people don't think about it either, but it has a yellow spring flower yeah. on it. That's actually really fragrant. Yeah.
1: I think they're starting to show some color. Mm-hmm. They were starting to show color before that cold hit this week, and this, that'll probably shut them down, yeah. or slow them down, right. which is good. So yeah. and then they'll probably take off. Second it warms up to 60 degrees again, they'll start blooming again. Yeah. Great plant. Compact. I like the compact knee-high one. Yeah, but, I do, too. But the ground cover, you know, The repens. It has a ground cover. You see it growing wild up through the Bradshaw's Mingus. Does it need a little more
0: shade? Is nah. it better underplanting? No? Nah,
1: it'll grow anywhere you put it, tough as nails.
0: Okay. I believe. Surround it with javelina.
1: Still, they won't bother it. <laughs>
0: no? And the last one I'll mention, and everybody poo me on this, but anything in the juniper family. Oh, I like junipers. I do we too. We have a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, you can get low-grow ground-hugging ones, knee-high ones, tall ones, but they do really, really well here.
1: We, we're surrounded by juniper forests. Mm-hmm. They obviously adapt well. A yard without a juniper in it, oh, I have allergies. Well, not to a little ground cover-looking thing. <laughs> you got allergies, you're surrounded by a forest of yeah, them. Good with that one. <laughs> There's no way you're getting around that. So, But they're so tough, and animals mm-hmm. do not bother them. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, plus, shrubs. Plants that javelina, deer, and rabbits will not bother, including jackalopes. We'll be right back after this.
0: Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. dot com. That's Waters with Two T's gardencenter.com. dot com.
1: Hi, Ken with the Plants of the Week and our majestic giant,
0: Pansies. Mammoth blooms smother this 12-inch plant right through winter.
1: Fragrant like its fairy-faced cousin, this giant bloomer has the perfect balance between evergreen foliage and flower brightness.
0: Hardy and carefree, this local pansy brings the garden back to life, all for just $5.99.
1: You'll only find them at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Where
0: people who love majestic pansies, they love to shop. Wondering why my garden looks amazing? Well, that's personal. The personal garden shopper service at Waters Garden Center, that is. Before talking with my personal shopper, I had no idea which plants would be best for me. But now my garden is bursting with flowers and buzzing with hummingbirds. Just go to watersgardencenter.com, click on shop, and choose personal garden shopper. A Waters garden expert will pick the perfect plants for you, personally. The personal garden shopper, only at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane.
1: Let's go back to talking about fruit trees. So things that are edible. In your yard, we we grow some really amazing crops here. If you'd like to plant a really pretty tree, it's robust, hardy, uh, that blooms in spring, nice shade canopy in the fu- in the uh, summer, has great fall color, great structure through the winter. Fruit trees are a great way to go. There's basically three heights of fruit trees. There's standard size, that's what your grandparents grew. If you want a bigger shade tree, that's the one you go with. Uh, there's semi-dwarf. Semi-dwarf is they've, they've taken a graft off of that standard tree, so a granny smith beautiful green apple, firm, great for baking. It's good right off the, right off the tree. We'll graft a, a cutting off of that and we'll graft it onto a little bit smaller rootstock. And so it dwarfs how big that tree gets. Then you've got genetic dwarf. So these are ones that are really small. They don't, they don't even get as head high. They're tiny. They're made for containers, raised beds, garden flower beds. That's where you plant those. So you'll have genetic dwarf. So it's standard, semi-dwarf, or genetic dwarfed. You got three different sizes of most trees. This would really become important for the bigger growing trees. So apples and pears generally get a little larger. They're a bigger tree. They're going to get up to about 30 feet tall. A pitted fruit, so let's say apricot, nectarine, pears, plums, they, not pears, apricot, nectarine, <laughs> plums, peaches, cherries, generally they're going to stay down in that 20, low 20 foot range. So they're about 10 feet shorter than a apple or a pear is. Uh, So there you might go semi-dwarf. It's plenty. It'll get it down to 15, 16 feet tall. You can manage that with a fruit picker. You probably keep it shaped pretty easily. Just keep it trimmed down. Uh, So that's kind of your three sizes. Which ones grow the best here? So in the mountains, we're famous for a late frost. So we're famous on tricking the the fruit trees to blooming out early going, hey, it's good to go. you, You know you want a fruit. You know you want to bloom. Just go for it. And so they start to bloom. And then we get that one last frost that kills off the new fruits that were formed or the flowers that are in bloom. So you really want trees that bloom as late as possible into the spring season. And out of all the plums... There's some that bloom later than others. Out of all the apricots, there's some that bloom later than all the other varieties. They don't all, they aren't all programmed to bloom at the same time. So there's some apricots that are better for the mountains than others. There's some apples that are better than others. There's some cherries that are better than others. So you want those. You really want to do your homework on this or, or know who you're buying these from or you'll have this beautiful tree that just grows, is thriving, but it never fruits for you. Or if you put in a fruit tree out there, you kind of want some fruit off of it. There's nothing better than a fresh cherry. Oh my gosh. Picked right off the tree. Papa, man, I could stand up there for a half a day just till till juice is dripping down my chin. Oh, a fresh apple. That last week that you leave an apple onto the tree makes all of the difference as far as the flavor goes. They pick them so early where they're shipping them off to the, to the grocery stores. Here you... You get a peach while it's got that extra three days of sunshine, it just becomes juicy and melts in your mouth. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And so if you're planting fruit trees in the mountains, here's the, here's the way you want to approach it. So out of all of the fruits that grow in the mountains, really focus on apples and pears. And here's why. They traditionally, out of all the fruit trees, apples and pears, bloom the absolute latest So they're the ones that are most likely to have fruit every single year. So from there, you want to then focus or start to plant your cherries and peaches. They're the next ones that are most consistent. You get the right variety, you'll get fruit most years, but every once in a while they get frosted out. From there, you go to apricots, plums. There's some varieties that actually bloom a little later than others. And then lastly, you go to nectarines. Did I catch all the things? I'm going through my head. I'm walking through the tree racks going, okay, did I catch them all? I think I did. So that's kind of the list. So you want to start with, if you've got an orchard going, you want several varieties. Start with the apples and pears, then move to peaches and cherries, uh, and then go to your apricots, nectarines, and what was the last one? Peach. Uh, Anyway, that's where you're at. Oh, pluots. Pluots actually grow here too, but they also, they get tricked. They bloom a little early. So pluot, especially dapple dandy, that's one I really like. It's basically 70% of a, 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 a plum and then it's 30% apricot. So it has this mix. It's got a, a texture of an apricot, but it has a flavor of a plum. It's an amazing fruit. Uh, but those are all things that can do well. Prunes, which are basically a small plum. That also does well. So, Stanley plums grow very, uh, prunes grow very, very well here. If you're doing apricots, look at only two Chinese or harcot. Those are the named varieties. They're the ones that are most consistent, that just produce really well uh, here in the mountains. If you're doing nectarines, only look at Arctic rose. Or marycrest that's a dwarf variety of, of, of nectarine. Those produce more consistently than all the other varieties. And You'll be overwhelmed with choices if you're doing an internet search. Oh my gosh, you won't know where to even start. Plums. Look at satsuma. Satsuma is a, a red, red flesh with a red wrapper, red skin to it. It's a beautiful fruit. Oh, it's so delicious. A Japanese uh, plum, Santa Rosa bubblegum plums. Oh, plums are so delicious. Uh, Pluots, Dapple Dandy. Cherries. We've got Bing, Black Tartarian, which are your big sweet cherries. And then uh, Rainier cherries. That's that lighter colored, very sweet cherry. We'll also have some sour cherries that come in if you like pies and stuff. Here a little shorter, but this is just what's in right now. Peaches, my favorite, just my favorite, bar none. The Gleason, Alberta. It's an Alberta peach, but this one produces a little longer, stronger, more consistently, and has a bigger fruit. It's so good, and it's, it's cling-free, so the flesh comes right off that seed very, very easily. For your apples, look at um, there's a bunch of them, Granny Smith for the green ones. Honey Crisp and Fujis are probably the two most popular. Uh, red and golden delicious. if you want apple sauces and leathers, I like the delicious series there's none better for making those kind of kind of sauces and stuff my actual favorite i love grabenstein it's a it's a yellow apple with with red blush it's got a tartness yet sweetness to it it's almost not a persimmon like thing but, but it's just Melts in your mouth. It's so delicious. Your 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 tongue doesn't know what to do with it. And then you can bake with it. You can eat it off the tree. You can just do so much with its versatility and its consistency of, of production. It just count on a Gravenstein to to really produce for you. Harold's Red Apple. That's kind of an old fashioned one. Right up there with Braeburn. It's another old fashioned kind of kind of fruit. But they they do pretty well here. Your pears, Summer Crisp. It's just one that it's kind of like a. A Bartlett pear has a pear flavor to it, but that lasts longer, so much longer on the tree than a Bartlett ever dreamed of. Anju is another great one. It's a smaller, rounder type of pear, but it actually has a flavor of a pear. It has a longer shelf life. And then kefir is kind of a cross between an Asian pear and a Bartlett pear. It's got this firmness to it yet it's got the, the, the flavor of a pear. Those are, those are my f- three favorite pears. They're consistently bloom later. They produce consistently every year. Then did you know you can also grow blueberries here? Got quite a few blueberries that just came in. There's some varieties that will do better in the mountains than others. So if you're from the Midwest, you get, oh, I like, I like this variety. And we've kind of curated them down. We're going, these kind of produce better. It's because of our alkalinity. Some varieties just don't like that alkaline soil and water. Some don't, no blueberry tolerates it, but some do it better than others. And then figs, figs can grow here. So look at Honey Delight. It's a light colored uh, fig that just melts in your mouth. Oh, and then there's a Chicago Hardy. It's more like a brown turkey type of fig, but it, it, it produces heavier. It takes the cold better. And so they won't grow like trees like they do down in Phoenix there, but they'll grow like big bushes here in the mountains. Sometimes the winter will, will kill them right back to the ground. They'll you know, create more like a, like a perennial type of type of effect. you'll prune it back, then it comes back again with a vengeance. So they end up being shrubs rather than trees as far as figs go. And I'm sure there's some other varieties. We've had hundreds of fruit trees show up this week over the last couple of weeks. But those are some that are just top of mind, that really do well. That are, I've grown personally. Uh, you can count on them over and over. And then grapes, blackberries, raspberries, currants, gooseberries, they all grow in the mountains of Arizona. Got more in store for you right after this.
0: You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Hi, Waters with the Plants of the Week and our Santa Rosa plum.
1: A showy display of white flowers has yielded an abundant harvest of dark crimson fruit.
0: Firm flesh with a wonderful flavor right off the tree or jams.
1: For smaller yards, this is the only plum that produces fruit all by itself.
0: A lovely border tree or garden accent and ready for summer planting at just $49.
1: Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, where people who love to grow their own plums, they love to shop. Not everyone can grow wildflowers, but we'll make sure you're not one of them.
0: At Waters, we know which wildflowers sprout, thrive, and bloom with success. We're
1: wild about wildflowers, with many of our own Arizona blends.
0: Like our Arizona native mix, butterfly and hummingbird mixes, and all are big, bold, and beautiful. At
1: Waters, we know wildflowers, and winter's a season to spread new seed.
0: Waters Garden Center, where people who love their flowers wild, they love to shop for seed. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert, Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lay.
1: This weekend's class is on fruit trees. We're just talking about fruit trees. We'll go over all the varieties, how to take care of them, how to get the most fruit, what to look for. And then I've got Johnny's, Johnny Schaefer with Johnny's Tree and Landscape Service. He is coming in to actually teach us how to prune, how to make cuts, how to take care of your fruits. Not just fruits. I'm sure he can go into all kinds of pruning. He's an arborist extraordinaire. He's coming in to help teach the class as well. So sometimes we we just know everyone. So we invite guests going, hey, you're you're an arborist. We're not. We know trees, but would you come in and teach our, our guests how to really go after this where it makes more of a difference? They're more professional when they get done. Next Saturday... It's gardening for newcomers. That's the 15th, I believe. So 930 here. So if you're new to the area and you're just not sure what the zones are and when our first and last frost is and what grows and what doesn't and when to how to work with the environment instead of against it. That's that whole class. Very much lots of handouts on that, lots of Q&A. If you just want to up your game, you've been here for a while, please join us. But if you're new to the area, it's really focused in – on you all to help you out. And then the week after that, the 22nd of February it's evergreens that bloom early. There are some plants that stay green and that uh, bloom. There's a whole series of them. We're kind of famous. The mountains are famous for those, so we'll have those. So when it keeps going on. if you want to see that entire list, I mean please, it's watersgardencenter.com. You can't miss the classes button. It's right right at the bottom. Big button says classes, hit that, and you'll see all the entire list. Uh, Facebook. We've got thousands of followers on Facebook. It's under events. We've got them all listed for the entire spring season. And so that's meant to help you be a better gardener this spring. And that's sort of what we stand for. That's Waters Garden Center. My father-in-law, Harold Waters, started the company. And back then, he was kind of raw and new, and he just learned a lot. And he started to share that with with his clients, his friends, his family. Uh, People are now catching them and talking to him at church or at the grocery store going, hey Carol, how do I do this? And so we started teaching classes and we've just taken that and kept going, going, how people this is of interest. People want to know how to bring more hummingbirds. And I think we can help guide folks in so they can have more success. we can make a difference for the hummingbirds and the butterflies. We can actually have have more of them to to work to make our environment better instead of grading it out and just putting rock down, we can actually draw more of that nature into your backyard. We can keep things natural and safe and organic. We know how to do that. That takes some expertise. Uh, if folks want to grow peony, we can show them how to do that. If we, if they want to know grow perennials, we, we can show them that. If they want just fruits and vegetables, I only grow tomatoes. We can help you grow that better in the mountains if you know some folks that, that have done it for years. And so this will be our 58th spring that we've opened up. So we've got our spring open house coming up March 15th. It'll be a big to-do. We've got all of our vendors, growers coming in from the fields. They're going to be here to, to talk to folks um, and just share information. So it's kind of the start uh, of the season for us. And it just keeps building from there. What I preach to my staff all the time, my gardeners, the folks that work for me, is people don't come to buy your stuff, your plants. They're coming because of what you stand for and how you make them feel and how their success, your plant, you're selling garden success, not just a plant. They're going to a box store for that here. You're coming for more. And so you want, we spend more time to make sure you plant that thing and you have success. You're fertilizing with the right stuff. You're, you're taking care of that weed or that bug in the right way. That's safer and more natural for your pets, your, 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 your kids. People don't buy what you do. They're buying why you do it. And so we've just been recognized for that for decades now. it's been our key to success. And I don't think we're going anywhere Everyone says, oh, Amazon, such a big deal. Oh, what I find is they're not a threat. If we're doing things right and we're neighborly, we're here for folks. That's our goal here at Waters Garden Center. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking to fans of the show. It's almost spring. Time to grow up here.
0: A pear tree, that is. Late
1: winter is ideal for planting fruit trees. At Waters Garden Center has cherry picked the hardiest, heaviest producing trees from our most trusted growers.
0: From apples to apricots and persimmons to pears, the garden center is plumb full of varieties that thrive in our mountain soil. And we'll even plant them for you. We believe life is a bowl of cherries, so grow the best ones ever from Waters Garden Center in Prescott.